heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. So how real is the danger that America is turning socialist? It's a real question. You have to ask it, right? You know, and the other big one is, will we still see the beacon of liberty shine at our 250-year mark? It's coming up inside of five years, my friends, believe it or not. It's it's a hell of a milestone for this republic, for sure. Well, I started thinking more about this socialism and looking into it. And, you know, I see a series of polls. There's one I want to point out that that I find very, very interesting. This one is a Hill-Harris Expo, okay? But it's, to me, an eye-opener, for instance. And this was just taken back in August, September, so it's relatively uh, still new. And But here's what you get out of this. So they asked uh, Republicans, the GOP, uh, whether they favored capitalism versus socialism, which one they favored, you know, specifically, just based on those words. And 74% of Republicans favored capitalism. 26% favored socialism. Okay. Now here's where it changes. They asked that same question to Democrats. Now listen into this. 53% said capitalism. 56% said socialism. That should scare the hell out of everybody. And then they went further and asked independence, by the way, as 61% of those said capitalism, but still 48% of those folks said socialism. Hmm. Interesting. And I wonder how we got here. Yeah. Well, we know there's a lot of reasons. And we, as we talk about all the time with the education system is one of the big reasons. Now, there are some interesting uh, factoids uh, also in this particular poll, and actually all of them that I've seen, and, and you already, I know you know this, but the younger voters in all of these surveys I look at, uh, they view the two e- economic systems here pretty much equally. I mean, they don't really see a difference. Uh, they, that's the way they've been taught. It's the way they're trained. It's the way they know it now. And so, and this, hence, they have no problem with socialism. It seems warm and fuzzy to them. So the younger folks definitely go towards socialism. And I can tell you right now, and I'm sure you know this as well, the older folks over 50, absolutely not. They are all over capitalism. So that should tell you right there and put things in perspective that we're, 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 we're treading the wrong way. I mean, we, if we look at us as, as a people, as a country, and we look at these multiple generations and we see what's happening with the millennials and X and Y, and we see where we're tracking now, it, it, you could make the statement that it may be only a matter of time, people, before we really are the United Socialist States of America, if it is gonna be united still. And that's another question or quandary we have to talk about, right? We're sort of in the perfect recipe for socialism right now. 
and and I call it, you, you know, people say the perfect storm, but I look at this as the perfect recipe, really. I mean, let's face it, you had the COVID crisis, which provided a pathway for the government to control the narrative, right? Right. They forced the lockdowns, the mask wearing, the social distance and all of that it was perfect scenario, government control. And then you had the election that empowered the far left of the Democrat Socialist Party to take control, right? You see that. And then you also see in this perfect recipe, uh, threats to now pursue statehood for DC and, and PR, Puerto Rico. These, these, these are not just talking points. These are real threats, people. There is a committee in place the Biden administration has now uh, to reform the Supreme Court. And uh, that is in place to take a look at that, as you heard the term packing the court, right? And then uh, there's talk on ending the filibuster still, and that's still very uh, tenuous here uh, between McConnell and Schumer to what really happens. And we really don't know. It's not really safe, to be quite frank with you. And, and so we see that as well. And, and you know, you got, uh, again, you, you make people dependent on government stimulus, handouts, that sort of thing. And these are all sort of uh, entreeways, uh, gateways, if you will, into a, a socialist utopia. Uh, so you, you have to ask yourself, how much of this is coincidence and how much is intentional? And are we, is America, at serious risk of becoming a socialist nation? Like I said, the United Socialist States of America, or perhaps, maybe, the future may be a red America and a blue America, if we all don't go along to get along, right? Well, those are real questions, my fellow Americans, and want to have a big discussion today on socialism and what it means. And let's do that with Debbie D'Souza joins us. And let me tell you about Debbie. She was born in Venezuela. She understands. I mean, she grew up there. She was raised. She understood what socialism was. And she's seen the transition of a vibrant community and how it transitioned over. Uh, so Debbie is a conservative activist, a columnist, filmmaker, producer also of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. And uh, Debbie, awesome to have you here. And I want to start right there in Venezuela, if we might, because it is a very interesting comparison. I'll take a few minutes and let's talk about uh, what it was like growing up in Venezuela. And at what point did you leave there? And how does that compute to the Hugo Chavez uh, to, uh, era there, please. Um, thank you, Malcolm, for having me on and for allowing me to talk to your listeners about Venezuela and about the parallels uh, that beholden us here, because um, this is this is something that I've been very passionate about for many, many years, even before meeting Dinesh. Um, I used to do presentations comparing the left in Venezuela and the left in America. And Malcolm, let me just tell you, they are identical. The only difference is the language. Venezuelans uh, speak Spanish and uh, American left speak English. That's the only difference. Everything else is exactly the same. So I grew up in Venezuela in a very prosperous time. Uh, I, I was born in the late 60s. And so I lived there in the mid to early 70s. And, and, and so when my parents divorced, I was 10 years old and moved to Texas, where my mother is from. So um, I have um, a, two beautiful nationalities. I, uh, my mother is Mexican-American. And so uh, she grew up in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Um, and so that is where I spent my latter years, my latter childhood, uh, 10, 10 years and up. 
Um, and I will tell you this, when I was in Venezuela, we were quite well off to the point that when I moved to Texas down in the Rio Grande Valley, which happens to be one of the poorest areas in America, I thought I had moved to a third world country. Wow. So uh, it was a very, you know, rude awakening, you might say, because I really thought, wow, here I had everything in Venezuela and, and I moved to the Rio Grande Valley and there's hardly anything here. Debbie, what year country. was that approximately? It was 1976. Okay. And what uh, year, so, what, tell us the era where uh, Hugo Chavez was in power there, please. Right. So Hugo Chavez uh, ran for president in 1998. Right. So still a long ways away uh, from, from that happening. Now, because I have family in Venezuela and still do, mm-hmm. I kept very much in touch with them. And I was very, very politically minded, even as a kid. Um, I got a degree in political science and I loved comparative politics. And so I completely was, you know, immersed myself in learning about the Venezuelan political system and of course the American political system. So, so I understood it very well. And I started to see some changes in the Venezuelan political system that were very disturbing. And um, there was, there was some corruption on both sides, but uh, the problem came came when uh, this man, Hugo Chavez, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, very charismatic and he ran as a third party candidate. My my grandparents, my father uh, belonged to a center right party called Cope. And so I was a Copellana, much like a Republicana, like a Republican. Right. So right. that was a center right party. That was my my family's party. And then there was uh, Acción Democrática, which was more of the social welfare program side. So more left, you know, but but both were very similar in some ways. Right. But the other one was a little bit more more Christian like more. We we have our rights from God. And the other one was more we have our rights from the government. So if that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. Yeah. And it's and it's not easy to run as a third party candidate and win anywhere. Exactly, exactly. But he came in as the anti-corruption candidate. So yeah. he wanted to come in and say that he was going to be the the candidate that was going to take Venezuela in a new direction. However, he lied about that direction. And I was very, you know, back in the in the late 90s, we didn't have the internet the way we have now, but I did my research and I did some homework on him. Mm-hmm. And um, I found out that he had some ties with the Castro regime, the Castro brothers in Cuba. So I knew that couldn't be good. I knew that he probably had communist tendencies, if not a full-blown communist. However, when he came in uh, as a candidate, he was on several shows uh, that interviewed him and asked him straight out, are you a socialist? And he flat out denied it. He said he was not a socialist. And he kind of chuckled and laughed, you know, and said, I don't know why people think I'm a socialist. I'm not a socialist. And so then the, the interviewee, interviewer asked, um, so are you going to nationalize industry? And he said, oh, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do such a thing. Only if it's already nationalized, will it stay that way? But 
I love private industry. And in fact, I'm going to bring in, you know, companies from, you know, America or, or elsewhere to come invest in, in Venezuela. And, and it's going to, it's going to be wonderful. So again, he lied. And, and my grandparents, unfortunately, believed him and they voted for him. Mm. So um, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. It was it was really really bad. I I know they they did live to regret it. They right. they certainly did. But um, one of the things that that was very interesting to me was the fact that socialists, you know, and 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 him in particular, mm-hmm. um, they are very they they pretend to be religious, right? He pretended to be a good Catholic, but. In fact, he was not. And, and there, were, there are multiple sources that say that he practiced Santeria, which if you know what that is or don't know what that is, that is Satan worship. <laughs> so he was definitely not a Christian man. Um, he, was, he was very much the, on the, with the occult. So, so that too is kind of a, a kind of a picture of what these people are. Mm. These socialists are, they they don't believe in in God Almighty, um, and they want to. They're they're not even generous people because we'll talk about this a little bit further when we talk about why kids think socialism is mm-hmm. a good thing. Right. But they want you to they want you to think that they're being generous or mm-hmm. that they are kind or they care about the poor and the needy. But in fact, they use all of that as a tool to get in power. Well, it's always the opposite. It's, it's again, it's projectionism at, at its very best, which, which is no surprise, uh, Debbie, that that's what the Democrats uh, really get a, a winning grade here in America with, isn't it? It's projectionism, right? I mean, they do it very well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, they, I mean, they absolutely do. Yeah, whatever they say is the opposite and whatever they're calling the opponent on is what they're doing. I mean, and they're absolutely brilliant at it. They're terrific marketers. Yes. Uh, they're everything the right isn't when it comes to marketing, yes. uh, which is sad. And here we pay the price. You know, let's tell people, too, that uh, uh, Hugo Chavez there, he he rewrote the Constitution in Venezuela as well. It, l- listen to these similarities now. He clamped down on the freedom of the press. Uh, he, he, again, as you were just mentioned with private industries, Debbie, he nationalized over a thousand, in my research, about a thousand private companies, destroyed the national currency, hyperinflation came in and all of that, of course. And of course, where are we now? They're spending, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars here in America. Uh, We're going to be struggling with and suffering with the same problem. There's a price to pay for all this uh, careless spending that's been going on for decades now and is now coming to a a crescendo moment, isn't it? You know, Debbie, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he did. He did major damage. And, and, you know, people always assume that when he came in, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he started the socialist party of Venezuela, but not so Uh, it didn't happen for about nine years. But, um, but I also have to explain to, to your listeners how he, he actually stayed in power because one of his campaign, um, promises was that if he in five years, because presidents in Venezuela are six, have six year terms. If in five years, he was not the man that Venezuelans thought he would be, that they could, they could kick him out. Basically, they could do a a referendum and, and, you know, and, and take him out. 
So he he was very adamant that that was going to be the case. So um, a friend of mine who who was actually at the time a, an attorney, she got a group of other lawyers in Venezuela to form a group called Sumate. And they were basically a voter fraud watchdog group uh, because they started suspecting that Hugo Chavez might, just might cheat if he was to run again or if they were to do a recall election. So they wanted to prepare in order to, you know, to, to stop him. So, so what happened was in 2004, uh, Maria, uh, Maria Corina Machado and, and many of the uh, friends of hers that started this group uh, decided to do a recall election. They had to get you know, thousands of signatures in order to be able to do it. And they were able to gather that many signatures. I, I don't remember exactly the number, but it was, it was up there. I don't know if it was several million, but anyway, uh, it, so it happened. And Hugo Chavez, when he got wind that this was go going to happen, he panicked because he knew he was not popular anymore because he knew he had started taking away people's businesses, expropriating businesses, ex taking away land. And so he knew that he was, he was in big trouble because people were not going to fall for his BS anymore. So what he did is he, um, he hired a, a group of, I think it was three or four Venezuelans who lived in the United States to form a company that would make an election machine uh, that would essentially guarantee his victory. And, uh, and that machine was called Smartmatic. And so, so they, they did this and my, you know, my friend uh, thought, oh my goodness, this doesn't look good. We, we don't know what we're gonna do now that he has, it's not just about dead people voting and illegals voting because in Venezuela, illegals also voted. Uh, you know, it, now we're talking more sophistication to the to the fraud, right? So, um, so they have the, they they got this machine. It cost a lot of money to do, uh, but they did it. And um, the you know, my friend was still confident that they could defeat him even with this machine. So what what happened was the day of the election, they they hired many pollsters to come in and just do an exit poll as people were going in to see how they voted. Did they vote to to, uh, you know, to take him out, basically to um, to recall him? So as people started coming out, they were like, yes, yes, yes. You know, recalling him. So they were very confident that they had about 60 to 65 percent of the people that were that voted. They were very, very confident that they were going to recall Hugo Chavez. So in the middle of the night, um, all of a sudden, Chavez ended up winning. So about two or three in the morning, the machines kind of did a little bit of a I don't know, a magic maneuver, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> algorithm. That's one way and, to put it. Yeah. And so so the next morning, it was yeah. actually Hugo Chavez, 60%, and the opposition, 40%. Now, let's freeze that, what you have right there. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up right there. And, and in fact, you had... Um, you and I had talked about that point oh, a few weeks back, remember, on a viewpoint yes. briefly here. Yeah. I want to come back to this part of this... Um, 
election business because everybody now is thinking, Debbie, they can they can see and hear uh, the um, the very much the similarities to what's happened and what happened there and maybe what it, well accusations of what potentially happened here in the 2020 election. Correct. Right. Um, there's right, a, there's right. a lot of talk about that. So let's come back to that's a big point. I don't want to gloss over here. So, okay. so, and, and you, but you're right to get the history out there with what Chavez did. And I remember all that happened. And I remember how he won. And many of us were hoping for freedom again for Venezuelans. I've got friends down in Venezuela as well. We were praying and hoping at that time. And I remember when it happened, uh, very much so. Now, there were some other similarities to, to keep going here on this socialism road, Debbie, that uh, uh, Chavez promised when he rewrote the Constitution. And, and listen to this now, you will know immediately. So like, all right, some of the, the, the carrots he dangled were, uh, now, brace yourself, people. <laughs> he dangled, yeah, yeah, to government-free health care was, was <laughs> one, right? Government-free health care, uh, yeah. government-free college, yes. uh, government, so, uh, you know, and social justice. Debbie, where did I hear those from before? Can you tell me, please? Hmm. <laughs> well, as, as you know, they are the Rob Peter to pay Paul uh, ideology. So basically, they believe that if they promise people free stuff, that the people receiving the free stuff will always keep them in power. And this is one of those similarities that is right there. I mean, in your face. If, if you don't, if you cannot see that Hugo Chavez, the Socialist Party of Venezuela, uses poor people or people that don't want to work, whatever you want to call it, lazy people, as kind of a, a tool to get elected. Like, hey, if you know what, you actually don't have to work you, because we're going to take care of you. You're going to get free college. You're going to get free health care. Yeah, there's the carrot. Um, right. You're going to get anything you want mm. because you are going to be just fine because we're going to take good care of you. These rich people, oh, all oh, they're in it for themselves. This capitalism stuff doesn't work because, mm. you know, it's just for them. But for you, I'm going to give it to you. And that is basically the mantra right, of the right. Democratic Party. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we're all seeing that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, the other thing that people may not realize, and I, I do want to point it out, is uh, the similarities between our model and Venezuela model. And and we're talking Venezuela back in the day when Debbie was referencing earlier. I mean, it was a very prosperous nation with an, an amazing future, an amazing future. It was, yeah. it was really the most wealthiest country in that whole region. I mean, the whole uh, yes. Southern Hemisphere. I mean, they, they were it. And you see how that totally left. But here's the other similarity with the model here. Uh, they had a presidency. They had a legislative branch. They had a Supreme Court. And here's the other trick. Get, get ready for the drum roll, people, because after several Supreme Court rulings that went against uh, Chavez uh, in 2004, guess what he did, my fellow Americans? Well, he stacked the stacked court. The court. <laughs> he passed a law to add 12 new justices to the Supreme Court. Debbie, where are we hearing that from now? Do you know where that's being heard? Yeah, hmm. it's very familiar. Uh, uh, could it be Biden and Harris? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very well, there is an actual committee in place the Biden administration has put into place. You know this, Debbie, right? It's in yes. play now. Yeah. Yes. To study. Now, this is how they first do it, Debbie. This is, again, we're going to study. We're going to study and see 
all of a sudden we have to study the Supreme Court, Debbie, to see like what, like what, like what makes it tick or like yes. what, what are we trying to do with the Supreme Court exactly, sir? You know, yes. I mean, yes. so it all is ironic. Now, the other thing is, you know, here's the other big problem, Debbie, that I think I want to point out, please. And I want to get your opinion on one of the other things uh, Chavez did, and actually happens in all uh, communist countries. I mean, it's sure Soviet Union, China. I mean, all of these countries operate the same way. Is the media becomes uh, state controlled, really, and that's what happened in Venezuela. He nationalized the media outlets as well as you know the energy. Sound for me? He nationalized all of it. He took control. It even yes. got down to nationalizing the banks, the factories, and the grocery stores. I mean, yes. listen, and I know this is true, and I'm going to tell you why. Over the last few years, I have friends uh, with relatives in Venezuela and people there, and and I got to tell you, they, my friends here, would have to send products and ship them to Venezuela to their families that used to be wealthy, but are no longer. They can't even buy a roll of toilet paper there. That for real, that's not a, that's not a joke, Debbie. That, that right. was right. No, that, that, I know. <laughs> you, you can't, I, I mean, yeah. you can't buy that. So, I mean, that's not a joke. And, and I, when that was first told me, I said, you gotta be kidding me, come on. Yeah. Well, like, let me, let me give you another example. Okay. Uh, so my, my aunt who's 88 years old, was receiving a pension that equated to about $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And it is now about 25 cents. Oh my golly. Wow. Wow. That's a so travesty, isn't it? It is, it is a travesty. We send her, we mm. send her as much as we can. We can't send her too much, but we send her as much as we can because we know that she would be probably not in a good place right now if she didn't have yep. that help. But not yeah. everybody can help. That's no, that's it. And that's money, money is worthless. It's worth it's toilet paper is probably worth more exactly. than the currency. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But 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 the media is a concern because and Debbie, I, I want to talk about this moment with you because what's happening now with the media. We see what's transpired here in past years now with the fourth estate in America. I mean, it is beyond twisted. And I mean, it is in the sicko stage to what's taking place with all. And, you know, and they're all in denial and they tell you what they think you want to hear. And we all know what's taking place in all of these oligarchs and the social media operations, the tech giants, but in all the traditional media, the televisions, the newspapers, the networks. Now, you know, there's some really interesting signs there, Debbie, where the media has. I mean, sure, they haven't bought them over yet, lock, stock and barrel. But what do you think it would take? I mean, that would be a very, um, uh, uh, you know, ominous step there. Uh, what, talk to me on that fourth estate here in America, the media and our government. Do you, do you see any signs or do you get any feeling or sense about that? Well, I mean, take, for example, NPR. <laughs> NPR is government funded, correct? And right. so, right. uh, right. and when you, when you listen to NPR, all you hear is left-wing ideology. Um, they are, they were very anti-Trump. They were very anti-Republican. Yeah. And yeah. so, so even though our tax dollars, mine and yours are going into NPR, they are a left-wing arm of mm -hmm. the government. And yeah. so, yes, that is very, I think it's coming. But what's really interesting, Malcolm, is that the media doesn't actually have to be state controlled mm -hmm. to do what the left wants them to do. So right now, 
the media is the, the left wing arm of the government. And so, so what they basically do, uh, let me just kind of go back to when we were talking about fraud, election fraud in Venezuela, mm-hmm. and we kind of made a little bit of a parallel. Mm-hmm. I think what is more disturbing about all of this, more than anything else, because we really don't know if if this election was stolen or not. We that's don't right. we don't know one way or another. We have no that's evidence, right. right? That's right. What is more troubling to me than even that is the fact that we cannot talk about it. If anyone talks about it, they get banned, shut down, censored, Mm -hmm. you, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it's very scary. It's 1984 Orwellian. Mm -hmm. So, so that in and of itself, it should be a, a, a really a, a just, you know, horrific, realization that we are going into into a sense a type of censorship yeah. that only happens in Venezuela only happens in Russia only happens in China well guess what it is happening in America right. well that's why I bring it up and and you you drew some terrific uh, parallels there in talking about it and you're right it already is a left arm wing of the entire government and when you look at the influence in the last election and certainly the last couple of few elections uh, you can see there's a split where middle America is Debbie where Americans are reaching out for the light of liberty and that beacon of hope, and yet they can't grab onto it because there's it's being pulled further and further away. You follow me? You know, that's what's yes. happening. Yes. And the media is culprit number one. You're exactly right. In fact, I often say, Debbie, you know, it sounds to me from what you just said, you probably might agree with this, but I often say, of all the stories and the big stories that we're dealing with now in in this era that we're in, because we're in a historical moment of time. You know that, Debbie, historic. Yeah, we're living through a history. This will be written in the history books in big ways just down the road, decades, 50, 100 years from now. This is the moment they're going to refer to right now that we're living through. Uh, So it is historic in nature. Uh, But, you know, when you when you see uh, the the position in the media has taken, I think that be with all of the stories we're dealing with, the biggest story to come out of this era, and I always reference this to listeners, is what has taken place in the media in this country and the fourth estate is the biggest story of this historical moment of time because that changed everything, even beyond COVID, even beyond uh, recessions or pandemics or even beyond uh, elections or fraud. It was the media and how they failed to stand up for freedom, how they failed to stand up for freedom of the press. That to me is the biggest story, Debbie. What do you say to that? Yeah, I agree. And I think they're the biggest threat in our country right now. Uh, bigger than Al Qaeda, bigger than ISIS. Amen. They are. And, and it's it's the enemy within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. So, uh, Debbie, wow. So let me let me take let me take a pause now with everybody and, and tell you we're listening to Debbie D'Souza here. We're having a really terrific conversation about this. This is spot on right where I want to be right now. There's a lot more I want to talk about, including getting back to that election, the impact of COVID, and really, uh, you know, how, how glaring all is this? And, you know, do, do we see our way through? Do, do we, I mean, 
I mean, is there hope at the end of the of the tunnel here, people? Or is that light really a train coming at us here, I guess, is something we'll have to ask and answer, hopefully, just ahead here. I also want to remind everybody here as we're um, talking about socialism, and a lot of this comes back to the controls. What can we control as Americans? What can we control? What can we do? And these are things I'll, I'll even ask Debbie a little bit later on. What are the steps that we can take at real-life real strategies to change what is really all too apparent of what's happening right now to our great and beloved country here. And I said to you up front, will we make 250 years? That's a hell of a question, isn't it, people? And it's not a, it's not a side joke that I throw that out there or to be a funny man. It's, it's, it's real life. One of the things I want to talk to you about here is shoptotheright.com. I've been telling you about. We've got to be cautious and careful of who we spend our money with. Uh, a lot of American corporations do not have our best interest at heart. A lot of these companies and organizations are selling us out and they're investing their monies into Marxist groups, Antifa fascists and uh, the, uh, the um, Black Lives Matter movement and uh, or adversaries like China overseas, our enemies and others. And uh, so I think we got to get back to fundamentals here in our country and understand, you know, who are we really doing business with? For me, I've been doing that for a while now. When I take my wallet out, I want to know. And I'll be honest with you, people, I will drive by places. I'm very much about America. I am very much a patriot. I very much love our country. And I'm not willing to sacrifice or compromise it in any way. I will do everything I can to save this this. Uh, beautiful republic here. And so I will go out of my way and spend it with those who have our values. That's what shoptotheright.com is all about. Uh, there's a nationwide database in there where you can go look at geography or category of products and get like-minded people who share our values as patriots, as conservatives, uh, as people who love our great country, uh, love our constitution, want to see it continue for another 250 plus plus years, right? For our children, our grandchildren. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, people. So that's the key, shoptotheright.com. And also you can list your business there for free, by the way. If you're a business or an entrepreneur, a small or big, whatever, there are no rules, you go check it out, shoptotheright.com. And uh, listen, we, we all have a part on this thing, people. We gotta get off the sidelines and get involved in the game. We're gonna take a pause. We'll be back with more Voice of the Nation just after this. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. 
Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. I want to welcome you back into the program here. We have Debbie D'Souza with us. And Debbie, to remind you, was born in Venezuela. And uh, she told a great story up front in the program. If you missed that, go back and hear it as, uh, when it does get to podcasts. Uh, but we thank you always for um, following the story here. And I want to continue on here in this uh, socialism story. And here's the thing. Uh, Debbie, so uh, America, many people believe, is a long way from Venezuela's tragedy. I mean, then people think it you know, may never happen here, they say. But again, polls are showing. I started with that poll, and I started with that poll for a lot of reasons. Now, a lot of people think of socialism, and they think of European types, which is not nearly the same, and it's nowhere near socialism, actually. But they actually uh, uh, think about that, like uh, Denmark and Finland and places like that, or other European companies. But that's not it. They're still capitalist in nature. Um, And now, let me ask you straight out here. What is the most glaring indicator right now with everything going on? And maybe we've talked about it already. Maybe we haven't. But what's the most glaring indicator to you, Debbie, that the United States is indeed in danger of turning socialist? Well, uh, the programs, the social programs that they are pushing, the fact that they feel like money grows on trees and they're promising all kinds of things uh, that we really don't don't have. I mean, we, you know, as, as a country, uh, we, we value work, we value small businesses, we value entrepreneurs. And, and so the attack on the entrepreneur is something that's very reminiscent of what happened in Venezuela. All the entrepreneurs in Venezuela left, they left Venezuela. Um, the, the, uh, the wealthy people left Venezuela, uh, business owners left Venezuela, Doctors left Venezuela. They cannot function in a society that robs them of their labor. And so where are we going to go? So that it to me is, is one of the biggest like mm, red flags wow. when I see Bernie Sanders talking about $4,000, you know, a month for, for people that are, you know, don't aren't working or whatever. I, I'm just like thinking, Bernie, you know, we can't make money off the government like you can. Right. Uh, but right. you know That's what right. I mean? So, um, so, so yeah, I mean that, and, and, and just the, the censorship, the, the, the freedom of speech, the, um, the, the just constant gun control uh, talk, you know, oh, oh, there's more talk of that now, oh, the, the gun yeah. control. Yeah, that's exactly. it. 
And yeah, that, that to me is, is a big red flag. Um, going after people, going, making lists, going after people yeah. that, you know, you going after your political opponents. Uh, when we don't do that, the, the right doesn't do that. Only the left. Right. Um, you know, and, and I also I've talked about uh, a militant citizen group that these leftists love to have. In Venezuela, they're called colectivos. And these are these militant militia type people that are actually ex-criminals that were allowed to keep their guns because in Venezuela, they did confiscate weapons. Um, these people were allowed to keep their guns and they go around and they harass and in some instances kill citizens that don't line up with the socialist ideology in Venezuela. So when I see them and then I see Antifa doing their thing, I'm like, okay, this is very similar. Uh, Antifa, they are basically a they're more anarchists, but they're definitely on the side of the left. And if you recall, um, the, you know, not just the left-wing media, but the left-wing politicians, the Democrats, basically called them protesters, peaceful protesters. That's right. That went on for a long time. And they call them right-wing. We know it's not right-wing. They yeah. were not right wing, yeah. but yeah. you know they they knew exactly that they were not even peaceful yeah. protesters. But the fact that they were on the left, mm -hmm. they they had to do that. So, yeah. oh, there's so many similarities. I don't yeah. even think we have time Debbie. The the, uh, the the right the in um, <laughs> Venezuela. The, uh, I see you know your point a moment ago that uh, a lot of the uh, middle class and wealthy people and others have left Venezuela. Uh, and that's actually part of the problem they're having there because it's left the very poor there and there's nothing really to lift the country back up, really, right? I mean, that's right. part of the problem. And, that, and I've been studying that for a while, actually. Uh, you would agree with that, right? It's part of the problem, I think, uh, right? Uh, it's it, definitely part of the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and also the other problem is mm -hmm. that the government, um, any money that fossil fuels at one point provided because they hate fossil fuels. Does that ring a bell? Uh, they, they do not like fossil fuels. All of, all of that money, uh, not to mention, you know, uh, money from Iran, money from Russia, money from China, it's all being pocketed into the regime's pocket. Yeah. So they're keeping all the money. They're not giving it to their citizens. Right. So not yeah. only do they not have money uh, because nobody's investing money in Venezuela, there are really no, no, you know, nobody can make money. Uh, they try, but they can't do it. Um, and so, and then the government is keeping the money. So yeah. it's extremely difficult for anyone to, to live there. Let me ask you about the COVID China virus. In, in your opinion, has this expedited the path to socialism in, in America? Well, in a way, it it, um, it really does resemble the um, the way that people live in communist countries because they are basically beholden to the government. If the government says you can't go there, they don't go there. If the government says you can't buy this, they don't buy it. If they say you you know, so so essentially, what what happened? And and notice, Malcolm, that in the states where governors are Republican and don't adhere to these tyrannical, militant uh, rulings, uh, 
the state is doing okay. I mean, this is a real virus. I'm a huge germaphobe, so I do take precaution. But I also know that this virus was an excuse for these people to put their boot on our forehead. Well, as I said up front, it was the perfect recipe, right? Exactly. That's it. It's a perfect recipe to do this thing. All right, let me ask you this. I want to talk to you a moment here about this uh, uh, major lawsuit that has been filed now, uh, 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 which plays into, which is why I froze that moment earlier about Smartmatic. Uh, So they are suing Fox News and Giuliani uh, and Sidney Powell, actually, even over election fraud claims uh, and a whole host of people on the Fox News uh, channel there uh, for uh, mega dollars, 2.7 billion. And they have a whole series of things they say as to why that happened. Now, this is on top of the fact, uh, Debbie, that uh, the Dominion voting systems already had a suit, in fact. And you might remember that, or maybe some of you don't out there, but there's a suit already from Dominion voting systems as against uh, uh, Giuliani and Powell, the attorneys, for $1.3 billion, by the way. Now, the interesting part about this, Debbie, and when we referenced up front, you know, whether or not they had an, uh, a part of this country's election or not, and we knew the history of what had happened in Venezuela, there's a lot of questions I have in my mind. And like you said earlier, we really don't know uh, how fraudulent or not. I mean, we, there's a lot of examples in the Navarro report and a lot of other reports, but to have the hard proof evidence, which we were all hoping would come out to see the light of day, uh, never, it, it never did happen. And, and here, here's the thing. Dominion, their technology is used in 24 states, Debbie. Smartmatic, they're only used in Los Angeles County. They're not used all over the country here. So I'm not sure they could have had any part of this thing. What's your thoughts on that? Right. So, well, I always tell people that it's kind of the same thing. Uh, It it was started as Smartmatic and it kind of went into this orbital, uh, you know, he he bought it. Uh, this country bought it, that kind of thing. Uh, and it, 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 it's pretty much the same company. It's just been disguised in different, you know, different ways. And so, I mean, Malcolm, we, you know, we run the risk of being sued by these people because we're talking about them. Exactly. And, and so, you know, exactly. I, I don't really know anything about them other than what my friends from Venezuela have told me about mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know uh, the people behind them. Uh, just that there were some Venezuelans behind this, but you know, as but I they said, are two separate companies. Let's be legally, legally they are, but there may be some tentacles, right? right is what right. you're saying? So, exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. legally they may be separate, but they did yeah. kind of. Well, you know, let me let me give you a uh, let me put something that's bothering me. Uh, this is yes. a, a really bothering me, and I I don't know if you'd shine some light on this or could or not. You and I both are not, we're not saying anything because we don't really know. Without hard evidence, it would just be in a, uh, well, an uneducated opinion, wouldn't it, really, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, if you had the, but here's, here's what bothers me. There's a great deal of talk about the votes changing overnight and all of that and talk about that with a lot of people. I'm still getting stuff in as early as today from people to go watch, go look at. And I, I just can't look and watch all all this stuff. There's so much still coming into the network here. But here's the thing, Debbie, if if that had happened, if company ABC or company DEF had been involved, and I'm going to refer to them as ABC and DEF for our own prosperity. How's that, Debbie? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so if company ABC and DEF had done some 
uh, fraudulent uh, things and some happenings where they had their hand on the scale uh, with the digital uploading to the internet and votes were changed overnight and all that happened. Here's what I would say to you and pose the question back. Here's what really bothers me. Not that the election is, is done and over with and we're down the yellow brick road already into this new administration. Again, whether or not you could change all that and get back to it, mean, that's a whole nother quandary, which I've talked about on here. But here's the thing. I say to myself, why would, why would a Dominion voting systems or a Smartmatic, why would they pull this out in the light of day again if they weren't 100% sure? Because by making and putting this into court again, that if you were guilty as charged, Debbie, you would be taking the risk that all that evidence would come out and you would have egg on your face, number one. Number two, you would want to hide it. Number three, you would just want to move forward again and, you know, and, and, and um, just just whatever, you know, take your beating the way it happened or whatever happened, happened, but you'd want to move forward with whatever the business is going to be tomorrow. You certainly wouldn't want to be inviting the trouble. Having said all that, does that, does that seem strange to you as well as to why, why they're suing at this point if they were supposedly guilty versus not? Right. So, well, and this, this again is hearsay, but, but I was told that it is impossible to find out the fraud, to, to forensically find out what happened. Uh, it was in Venezuela, they couldn't do it. So they were never able to prove anything. So you're saying it's a high, so that, that there's the key right there. Thank you for saying that. You're saying that 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 there's just, they, they feel it's ironclad. So these, whatever it is, in company ABC or DEF, they, they probably figured they got nothing to lose at this point because nobody could ever figure it out. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. And based on what I was told about the machines in Venezuela never being able to forensically been investigated uh, makes me believe that there's a reason. It's because right. once it's done, it's done. And if there's no paper trail, there's no paper trail. Interesting. And, you know, it, this kind of makes sense because, Debbie, I don't know about you, but for the longest time, I was waiting, as probably millions of Americans were waiting, and I ask you, were you waiting for Donald Trump to come out and have that uh, landmark moment press conference to the country, to the nation, and say, my fellow Americans, here is the evidence. This did indeed happen because, you know, there was a message leaked uh, from Rudy Giuliani, actually a podcast he put out on Christmas Day that said, oh, my God, he said it's going to shock the nation. The information you're going to find out next week just after the holiday is going to be like the biggest thing you've ever seen. And of course, we all waited for that bomb to go off. And we felt when the president said he would be talking about it, we waited. Was you thinking that way as well or different? No, I, I was very, I, I wasn't, it's not that I didn't believe it. It's just that I feel like that was very irresponsible. Number one, because it kind of made us look like kooks, you yeah, know, like yeah. basically, oh, see, I told you there was nothing there. You know, had they not gone public, had they kept all of this just to themselves and not gone public, uh, we would have really never, never known um, it, that it was that it didn't in fact happen. Because it's one thing to say I've got the crack in; it's a whole other thing to show it, and it was never shown. So one should never say something if they don't have any intention of actually showing it, um, or if they don't really have the goods. You know, don't spill the beans. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally, I totally agree with so, you. And so that went on too long, Debbie. Went on too long. 
It absolutely did. Yeah. Um, I was, and again, you know, um, even from the very, very beginning, even before the election, I was very, very afraid that that Joe Biden was going to win. In fact, my my hubby and I, uh, he's, you know, everyone knows him as the genius Dinesh D'Souza, but we had a little bet going. And unfortunately, I won that bet. Mm. Um, but one of the reasons I won that bet was actually has a lot to do with those statistics you gave me at the beginning of the show. Okay. Um, we don't have full 100% people on our side, including independents yeah. who actually believe in, in see the, the problem was, and we kept telling them, we kept warning people. If you vote for Joe Biden, you're voting for this, you're voting for socialism. But if they don't believe us, and or they don't understand what socialism is, yeah. then they're going to vote for Joe Biden. Because now, Debbie, they, I, I yeah. hear a lot of reports about buyer's remorse. Do you are you yeah. do you think people do you generally think people have buyer's remorse? Well, I hope if they don't, I hope they do. And <laughs> soon enough, I know they will. Yeah, but hold on. Uh, based on that, that, those surveys we're seeing and the one I said up front, they kind of want the socialism thing. So I'm not sure that there is buyer's remorse, is it? Right. Right. So unfortunately, what was more disturbing on your little um, thing at the beginning, you know, your your statistics was the fact that a quarter of Republicans think socialism is. Good. I know. I know. Like, where where are these people? What where, where have they been? I mean, I know. really? Um, I thought you know, the same thing, Debbie. We think yeah. alike. I thought the same thing. All right, so let me let me ask you now in our last few minutes here. So let's draw out a picture now. We've so we've got this scenario now. Uh, we, we, we know where the country is thinking. We know what we've got now with the Biden administration. Um, we, we're all very concerned. Um, you know, there are two paths forward, Debbie. There's one path forward where America continues to go down this road. And there's going to be a lot of telltale signs in the next many months as to how they're going to govern in, into points with the committee on PAC and the Supreme Court, in the filibuster rule, in the, in the statehood, and all the things that change the structure of our government, basically. Those are going to be the immediate signs to you know that we're in deep trouble. I believe you would agree with that. Um, and so with all that said, what happens now? Um, uh, Debbie, with uh, it, that one path, do we continue going down this road as the frog in the pot uh, and, uh, you know, where there is no point of no return at some point? Or uh, do we come to our senses, which it doesn't appear to be that we're doing that? And the third option, Debbie, which is a very interesting option that people are talking about these days, is a parts of America seceding from the nation. There are a series of states quite a few states, actually, that can absolutely secede from the United States of America and become in a red America and a blue America, because a lot of people who live in conservatives in red America say, you know what, we do not want to be part of a socialist utopia. What do you say to all that, please? And what's the future road? Well, you know, Malcolm, if people don't understand after after we tell them over and over again and, and we show them examples um, and we show them the platform. This is this is the platform of the Republican Party. This is the platform of the Democratic Party. And if they choose to go that route, then they deserve what they get. Unfortunately, for for the rest of us, we we live in a country where that is how it's going to have to go if people don't wake up. And I'm 
particularly upset with the with the Republicans that voted for Biden or the independents that voted for Biden that know that socialism will kill this country. Those are the people that I'm talking to now and and begging them to to please understand that that it is really left up to them to decide how we go forward in this country because we do have an election coming up in 22 where we can flip the house and we can definitely make some headroom in the Senate where we can prevent him from doing all of these things. Because let me tell you, once they do all these things, once they stack the courts, once they give statehood to Puerto Rico or, or DC, once they do all those things, oh, and by the way, allow illegals to come in and then give them all amnesty. Um, Which they're talking about doing right now. They are. So once that happens, it will be too late, unfortunately. But we can stop it in two years if we choose to. But that's the key. We have to go vote for a Republican. And there is no other option. People are constantly talking about, oh, I hate the Republicans. Oh, I, you know, no. Right now, hating the Republicans is the is the one way to get the Democrats to win forever. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've been, I've been preaching that as well, but maybe it's just time to rename the party something different since Republican has really got a bad uh, connotation to a lot of people. You, what do you think? I don't know. I don't agree with that. I think the Republican Party has always been the party of freedom and it, sh- and it should continue to. Yeah, be but so. Americans don't know that. Too many we, Americans don't know that, Debbie. Exactly. We need to teach them that. Yeah, we need amen. to just we need we cannot stop we have to we have to teach everybody we have to educate everybody about the republican party dinesh dinesh and i have some great movies out there that people can watch at their leisure and uh some really some really good um lessons on who exactly the party of the democrats is and it hasn't really changed its stripes well there's a lot of work to do debbie a lot of work to do. So we're going to have to all roll our sleeves up. Uh, I, I so appreciate you um, spending the time with us uh, and really educating folks, Debbie. Debbie, this was just an amazing conversation uh, about the dangers of socialism. And you are such a spirit and your enthusiasm of life. It's contagious. And, uh, and I really, really, it's been so wonderful to um to be able to get to really know you personally here on the program. God bless you, Malcolm. Thank you for what you do. Amen. We're all on the front lines, Debbie D'Souza, and uh, we need you to be on the front lines out there as well, my fellow Americans. Uh, The risk is real. Uh, The dangers are close by. Uh, I tell you every day, and uh, we'll continue on with the journey to our part. We need you to do your part as well. Get off the sidelines, get into the game. Take a visit over at AmericaOutloud.com. Help us. Take a look at the, the bloggers and the worldwide columnists and the people with voices and the show hosts and all of the various things we have going on on this network. We are working hard to preserve our liberty for all of us, for our children, for our grandchildren, and for ourselves. So again, I thank you, my fellow Americans, for being with me on the journey. It's time to get involved and get loud.